Um, well, Danny asked me last week, actually, he just came in the office and said, uh, Deontay, would you come down and uh, share your testimony uh, with the Bible College? And I said, uh, yes, yes. Um, and he also tasked me, uh, or maybe it would be more accurate to say he privileged me with the opportunity to just share a few exhortations with you guys uh, and kind of how they relate to my life uh, in terms of sin and how I've, how I fought sin. And just I'll give you some exhortations there and then uh, to talk with you a little about a little bit about how the Lord directed me, where he directed me now. And, and you know, you guys are in a pivotal stage in your life um, where you're in Bible college and you're asking yourself, OK, what am I going to do with my life? And so at the end of my testimony, I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, this is my first NBC chapel. I've never been to a chapel before. I heard, I've heard so, so much about NBC chapel, but I've never been here. Um, when I was over at MSU getting my under, under, undergraduate degree, um, I just mingled in a little bit of NBC classes. Um, and I wish I could have took a little bit more. Um, but I was on full scholarship there at MSU, um, an athletic scholarship. And, uh, you know, I, I was telling someone this yesterday, if I could only make it work to where I was over there at MSU full time and uh, still playing football because I love to play football, but coming over here to NBC, um, I would love that, but MSU would not have uh, allowed that to happen. Um, they were paying me to go to school there, but I would have loved to come here. I took in a couple classes, Isaiah, um, I took Old Testament survey when Kelly Genoway taught it, and, and I, took, uh, uh, um, I took Greek, and uh, I really didn't like the Greek professor, but I, I dealt with him for <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to share my testimony with you guys, and then again, at the end, I'll just uh, give a little bit of some, some exhortations. Um, I grew up in San Diego in an immediate family of four. Um, there was my mom. Uh, there was my older brother and my older sister. Um, Single-parent household. Um, thankfully, my immediate family uh, was pretty close. Uh, my mom, when when... When she had me and my siblings, um, she did a good job of raising us. Uh, a lot of her siblings were, were off doing things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, got, got into a lot of bad things, and I'll spare you kind of the, the details of that. Got into things like drugs and, and other things down there in, in Southern California. But my mom decided to go to college and make a living for her family. And... Uh, and uh, she did a wonderful job of raising me and my other two siblings, my older brother and my older sister. Um, but though my mom instilled so many good morals in me and my other two siblings, um, there was no spiritual atmosphere in, in, our, in our house uh, with our family. We, we attended church quite a bit, and that was just something we just did. Um, it was kind of like eating a meal. You kind of you just go to church on Sunday. Um, but uh, it was pretty superficial. It didn't have any weight to it. And the church we were going to, I would say this now, being here in Grace Bible Church and understanding the healthy marks of a church and understanding what a church should be from a biblical standpoint, that that church was, wasn't doing that which God had called it to do. Um, and so, again, we, we just went to church, and it was all superficial. I mean, it had no lasting effects on my life or on my siblings' life. Um, Whenever I share my testimony, 
And I'm explaining what my life was like before coming to know Christ. Uh, my mind is just always drawn to this one particular passage in the Bible. And, you know, I just want to kind of open your attention there. First uh, John chapter two. So if you have a Bible, why don't you go there? And this could explain my life, but it, it also could explain anyone's life before Christ. But I'm always drawn to this passage because it just explains my life so well before I came to faith. 1 John 2, verse 16, and you guys are well familiar with it. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life um, is not from the Father, but is from the world. This is the verse that, again, sums up my life, and I'm sure many of you could say the same thing. It sums up your life as well. Um, one thing this verse talks about, uh, it says, and he gives this characteristics of, of the world, this worldly system, the desires of the flesh. I was an individual who, who lived for pleasing my flesh. Um, I chased women around to fulfill my, my desires. Um, I was immersed in things that were just not honoring to the Lord. Um, I, again, I did anything to please my fleshly desires. Early on, I got involved uh, with things like marijuana. I mean, I never was addicted to it, but I would be out with my friends at parties, trying stuff like that, because I wanted to, to satisfy my flesh. Um, I lived by the impulses of my flesh, and I was controlled by them. They were my master. Um, but not only was I marked by, by the impulses of my flesh and being a slave to those, the desires of, of the eyes. That's the second thing you see in verse 16. Um, again, this is just an accurate depiction of who I was before Christ. I was looking after anything and everything, and just longing for it. Um, money, popularity, all these things my eyes gazed upon, and, and I, I wanted them. I was willing to do whatever it, whatever it took to obtain those things that I looked at and that I wanted. Um, I was heavily involved um, in theft. Me and my friends would constantly shoplift from stores. And again, because when I saw something, I did whatever it took to get it. And lastly, um, in 1 John 2.16, it says the pride of life, the pride of life, the pride of possession. I was a very proud person as well. Um, I thought I was the toughest guy on the block. No one said anything to Deontay in a disrespectful manner because I, I was the big time athlete on campus. Um, and again, I was the tough guy, um, constantly in fights. Um, I thought I was the, the bee's knees, the cat's meow. Um, I'm glad I got some laughs out of you guys. Uh, I, I really did. Um, I was extremely arrogant, thinking that my abilities, athletically speaking, and my successes were all mine, that I deserved it all. Um, again, just arrogance. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Again, you guys know this passage as well. You don't have to turn there. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? Obviously, you know the background of the book of 1 Corinthians. There was a lot of arrogance, a lot of division going on amongst the, the church there. And Paul just asked this really indicting question. And he says, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? When I first read that passage, I was just, that just rocked my world. Um, I was a person who received so many things, but I boasted as if I didn't receive them. Pride of life, John says. 
And to sum it up, right, um, he says, all these things, all these characteristics that mark my life, uh, tying it back to 1 John 2, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. I was worldly. I was worldly. Again, and I'm, I'm not just speaking for myself here. I'm sure I'm speaking for you, but this is, this is my testimony. In <laughs> um, the preceding passage in verse 15, it says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of the Father isn't in him. James repeats the same thing in chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? I was an enemy of God, and I didn't love God. Why? Because I was worldly. Uh, the world system. Um, Ephesians 2, right? Uh, the God of this world, Satan. I was following him. Um, but I began in my later years in high school to struggle eternally with the purpose of life. I really wrestle with this. I don't know if some of you guys did as well. The purpose of life. I, sh I struggled with it because I was afraid of dying. Um, I watched some of my friends die around me. And life just didn't seem fair to me. It really didn't. And on top of that, I knew that there was more to life than just this earth. So I was watching people die and hearing of tragic stories happening. And then at the same time, I knew that there was more to life. I knew this wasn't the end. And it's so funny because even when I'm on campus and sharing my faith, I let people know. I tell them, I say, you know this isn't the end. Ecclesiastes 3 says, God has placed eternity right in the heart of man. In the heart of man. When you're evangelizing, appeal to that. Appeal to that. People knew. People know that there's more to life and than this earth, because God's placed it in the heart, the scripture says. And God placed it in my heart. And again, I began to wrestle with a lot of things. Watch people die, and again, life just didn't seem fair. Why do individuals over in Africa, I struggle with these things. Why, why do those individuals ha have, to, have to suffer, physically speaking? And I get to be here in the United States and indulge. Why? Those are things I really asked myself, and I, I really struggled with it. I really did. I knew that the only reason, only difference was I was born in America, and they weren't. And I said, and I was, I was like, why? Why, I asked myself. And during these kind of years um, that I was asking myself these questions, um, I began to think of God more. I began to get more interested in talking about um, Life after this earth. And a man by the name of Martel took me under his wings. Um, through a series of events, I ended up going to this church down in California. Um, I consider my home church, Calvary Chapel in La Mesa in San Diego. And Martel was the youth pastor. He took me under his, his wing. I began to attend youth group weekly. And he began to preach uh, the gospel of Christ to me. And... Uh, as mine, as mine and Martel's relationship grew, he began to open up the word of God to me like no one ever did. And he, he, he showed me the gospel from the pages of scripture. It wasn't just his kind of ideas. Um, and he, he showed me this more so in how he lived. Uh, he was different. I didn't really get him. I thought he was weird. <laughs> um, he showed me with his life that Christ was Lord. Um, 
I knew that I wanted to be saved from the fires of hell. No one in their right minds, right, wants to go to hell. No one in their right minds. Um, but making Christ Lord didn't sound too enticing. I didn't really want that. I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't want to make Christ Lord. He began to show me with his life, Luke 9, 23-25, if anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus says, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. That paradox of, of, of Christianity, right? You lose it all to gain it all. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses and forfeits himself? This is what Martel showed me. Luke 9, really, this has been... Uh, I'm going to teach on this tonight at Cross Life. This is a, a, a challenging passage. This is true discipleship. True discipleship. Uh, we got to hide this passage. I want to hide this text in my heart forever. Uh, this is what Martel lived out for me. I grew up in a culture back in San Diego, and I'm sure it's no different here than in Montana, where everyone said they love God. Everyone said they love God. Um, but often their actions denied that. Church on Sunday and live like a heathen, you don't even wait till Monday. It's right after you're out of church. Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you're right back to it, right? Again, this is this what marked my life. Sunday afternoon, you're right back to it all the way up to Saturday night. Who's God? Who's Christ? He's not Lord then, but Sunday he was. Martel challenged me to surrender every aspect of my life to Christ. You're listening to sinful music, Deontay? Well, stop, because it's not glorifying to God. He's Lord, isn't he? You're talking with that bad and foul language, Deontay. Well, stop. This is what Martel would say. Christ is Lord, isn't he? Jesus said in Luke 6, he says, why do you call me, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Before I would just profess to know God, but I, I didn't love him. I didn't love him. I denied him with my actions. 1 John 2, 3, I'm reading a lot of scripture for you. Um, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. It's not difficult. You know that you have come to know Christ. And a mark... And a sign of that is obedience. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments, that was me, is a liar and the truth is not in him. He opened up the word of God and made this clear to me. I was so thankful for it. And by God's grace, around my junior year, senior year, I don't remember the day, I trusted in Christ, in his death, and in his resurrection as the only means that could save me from hell. And I began to be a slave to Christ. I was so thankful for Martel. Um, and shortly after coming to Christ, um, life was perfect. <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of smiles. That's a joke. Um, I came to Montana. Danny, how, long, how much longer do I have? Just so I could... Am I, am I good? Okay. Um, I came to Montana to get an education, to play football. And this was... I was so thankful. I never heard of Montana. 
I, I really didn't. I was getting recruited by some other teams, and my, my eyes, I had my eyes set on UCLA. I wanted to play for the Bruins. I was going down to Pasadena every week uh, watching those guys play. That was big-time football. Actually, my first game, I'm just going to insert this. I was on the sideline, and, uh, you know, when they, they recruit you, they give you tickets. You can bring your family up. They feed you. You get to meet the coaches right before the game. Then you go out on the sideline. And this guy for Stanford was out there. He was out there earlier than everyone else. And I was thinking, you know, I was too cool. I was, I was the cool kid. I always came out last because I was the coolest. I didn't need a warm-up. This guy was out there, and I'm like, who is this guy? I'm like, he must never play. His, his number was 12. Uh, <laughs> yeah, someone laughed because you know that. I'm like, who is this, this guy? He must, he, must, he must be terrible. Yeah, he, he threw for about 300 yards that game and about five touchdowns, and he torched UCLA. His name was Andrew Luck. He's a starting quarterback from the Indiana, Indiana Colts. Um, anyway, that was just that's something that I always remember. I was like, man, this guy's out all early warming up. He must be... Must be lame. No, he's working hard. He was working hard. Anyway, I had my eyes set on UCLA, and I was like, Montana, that, where is that? Right? I'm a, this Southern California kid, so you got to understand that. Right? I have, I, there's so much around me, I don't know what's outside of Southern California. And uh, it was funny. I was on campus one day. I was, I was involved in the student government at, at Morris High School. That was the name of my high school. And I was going, running around school, and my coach came up to me one time, and he said, hey, Deontay, we got Montana State here. And I'm like, what? Montana State, again, I was, I, was, I was pretty arrogant. I was really arrogant. I'm like, Montana State? And my coach said, hey, you need to get in here and meet with them. So I got in there and met with them, and lo and behold, I end up in, at Montana State. Um, so thankful to be here. But I wasn't just, I'm not just, I wasn't thankful for the ability to just come here and play football. That was great. But the second week, I went to Journey the first week I got, I got here. Second week, I came here. And I heard Pastor Brian preach, and I was blown away. Literally, I've never heard the Bible explained like that. I, I walked away from here, and I was like, I actually understand what the passage is saying. It was weird. I didn't know what to do. I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try that again next week. And I came back next week, and it just kept going on. And I've been here for about five and a half years, and it just keeps going on. Um, so anyway, this was amazing, and I got just plugged into Grace. There were individuals like Tanner, uh, Tanner Ripley. Uh, got him. He was I. I just missed Tanner by a year. Chase Young, Rick Haluska, just a bunch of godly men, um, most of whom are involved in vocational ministry now. Um, they took me under their wing, and it was just such a blessing. I, I grew exponentially here. Again, that's because I, I put myself in the Word of God and. Uh, yeah, I, I just so thankful to be able to come to Montana and be able to call this place my home. Um, now I'm acclimated. Um, I like to hunt now. Um, well, I married a gal who likes to hunt, so I, I could only go out and buy a rifle and uh, try to talk to talk and walk to walk. But that didn't work too much, but they, they still love me anyway. Um, but I do like to hunt now. And again, I'm, recently I was hired here on staff uh, to assist. Uh, Matt in leading the college group, and I'm attending TMS, getting my MDiv, and I just love it. And I'm thankful here, and I'm, I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful for NBC and all that it has done for me, just in me taking a few classes. And, and so that's my testimony. Um, I'm going to end by giving you just a few exhortations, and it kind of has to do with my life. Um, a lot of you guys 
um, just got out of high school, um, you're at Bible college, and you're asking yourself, what are you going to do with your life? You, you don't know what you're going to do with your life. And I was kind of asking myself the same thing. I had a math teaching degree. I was like, well, I want to go teach math at the high school level. What am I going to do? But, you know, I knew the Lord was, was calling me to vocational ministry. And uh, so anyway, I want to give you some charges on what you should do with your life after you're done here. It's pretty bold of me, huh? I'm going to give you some charges on what you should do with your life after you leave here and when you're here right now. And the first thing is, is this, to sum it all up, be obedient to Christ, <laughs> right? We could just leave after that, right? Um, be obedient. Christians are to constantly be behaving in the manner that is worthy of the gospel, are they not? Jesus says, if, if anyone wants to come after me, I, it's so simple in Luke 9 because he, he just lays it out for him. He says, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, and let him follow me. And I think that last word, follow me, um, has a kind of semantic range to it. And I, I think he's calling for his disciples to be obedient, to be obedient. That's a mark of a Christian, right? You see that all throughout Scripture, be obedient. That's the overarching thing that I want for you after, after you leave here. Be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be blessed. But underneath that, I want to say a, a few things. Be a part of a local body once you leave here. Do that. Hebrews 10, right? It's a commandment. Don't forsake the gathering of one another. Use your gift in that body. 1 Peter 4.10. Everyone has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. Well, that's 1 Corinthians 12, but 1 Corinthians 4 says, you've been given a gift, and he says, use it. Use your gift. Be salt and light. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, be salt, that is, be a preservative in this dying and decaying world, and be light. Point them to Christ. Make disciples. You guys have wonderful people around you who are making disciples. When I think of making disciples, I think of Gail Heidi. I do. He's one of the guys I think of because he's making disciples. And I see that in, in his son-in-law, Matt, who I get to work with. He's taking the word of God seriously. Matthew 28, make disciples. What, what you have been entrusted. Paul, Paul had spent his life with Timothy and he invested in him. And he had given them the good deposit. And what he's talking about in 2 Timothy 1, if you back up a little bit from chapter 2, he's talking about the pure gospel. He said, pass that on to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Make disciples when you leave here. Be thankful when you leave here. 1 Thessalonians 5, that's the will of God for your life. It's the will of God for your life. Be saturated in the word when you leave here. It sanctifies us. The word of God sanctifies us. Remember who God is. Have a high view of God and remember who you are. Remember who you are. Those are just a couple things that I kind of wrote down. Um, and what was in my mind when I was thinking about this is just like not all of us are going to leave here. And I'm speaking to you men now and going to be in vocational ministry. Uh, you might just work, a, if you will, for lack of better terms, an ordinary job. But I'm reading a book right now. It's called Every Good Endeavor by Timothy Keller. And no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're doing, you should be obedient. It's every, everything you're doing, every job is important as a Christian. God is pleased when you work hard in whatever you're doing. And when you leave here, you're going to work somewhere somewhere. 
And so whatever you do, do heartily unto the Lord. And I think if you do some of those things, and that list wasn't exhaustive, you're going to be pleasing to God once you leave here. Danny, is my time up? I, I want to talk about one more thing. Or Can I do that? Okay. Um, I want to talk to you guys about the battle against sin. I've been thinking about this a lot because uh, I'm fighting sin, obviously, right? I'm still here. Um, we're all young. I'm young. I, I, I recognize that. You're young, minus a f- few of us in the room. Uh, no, 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 no. You're young, too. You're young, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No, you're young too. Uh, <laughs> I won't ever come back here again, huh? That was my last time. Uh, we're all young, and uh, Paul told Timothy to, to battle, to wage war against his youthful passions in 2 Timothy chapter 2, along with other saints. 1 Peter 2 says there's the sin is waging war against your soul. So I just want to talk to you guys about some resolves that I've made in my life when it comes to battling sin. And obviously I'm not doing this perfect, but these are things that I think about when I think of sin. And I just want to share a few of them with you. Some of my resolves, some of my determinations when it comes to sin. I've determined when it comes to sin that I always have hope to get out of it. Always. There's always a way of escape out of it. Remember that, 1 Corinthians 10, right? 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There's always a way of escape. I've resolved in my life when it comes to sin that I have the power to defeat it. Romans chapter 6 is so beautiful. We don't have to sin. I just got to remind myself that. Deontay, you can be, you can just watch football all day. I love college football. You can just watch football all day. Or you can go on a walk with Rachel. And you can lose yourself and and do something for for your wife. I don't have to sin. I don't have to sin. Romans chapter 6. And you don't have to sin because we got the Holy Spirit within us. I've resolved that sin is dangerous and that it will ruin my life if I don't take care of it. It will ruin my life. And I really mean that. I really do. Ruin my life. When I'm talking to guys about sexual sin, I take them to Proverbs 5. And at the end of Proverbs 5, young guys, if you're battling against purity, go to Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. At the end of chapter 5, um, this, this, this father is given, he's given an exhortation and he's trying to warn his son. And he says, if, if, you don't, if you're not serious, and he's talking about an adulterous woman, if you're not serious with keeping your way far from her, She's going to turn your life into a loaf of bread, I think it says at the chap- end of chapter 6. That's what, that's what your life is going to be worth. It, it says you're going to, your life is going to be ruined. It says that at the end of Proverbs chapter 5. And it says the son is going to say how I've hated discipline and I've ruined my life. Sin will ruin your life. 1 Peter 2 says it's waging war against, against your soul. Remember that. i got to remember that. Lord, help me to to continue to remember that, that it will ruin my life. Um, I've resolved that I must always be alert for it. Always. This is something that really spoke to me this this summer in particular. 1 Corinthians 6.13, be watchful. That word is like be alert. 
he was telling the, specifically the men, act like men, the leaders in the church. Be alert for all that's going around. And obviously the church in Corinth had a lot of issues. Just be alert. What's going on? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, okay, I'm going on campus, Lord. Okay, I know there's a bunch of women and they're dressed immorally. Uh, help me. I'm alert. I'm, 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 I'm understanding my surroundings. Lord, help me. I'm, I'm, I'm in this setting where I'm just getting the gospel all day. And, and it, it can be a tendency of mine to, to forget the wonders of the gospel, the truths. Of, help me, Lord. Be alert. I've resolved that I, I must hate it. I must hate it. Romans chapter 12 says, abhor what is evil. Verse 9, hate it. Hate sin. I'm talking to myself right now, too. Hate sin. I resolve that I'm blessed when I don't do it. I'm blessed when I don't. I think James 1 is so amazing. He says, don't just hear it. Do it. And he says at the end, he says at the end in verse 26, he says, when you're obedient to the scriptures, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have a joy. Maybe outwardly things aren't going well, but you're going to have a joy in your heart that you're doing what the Lord has called you to do. I resolved in my life when it comes to sin that I must remember to put on if I am to defeat it. Not just put off, but to put on. The second half of Romans 12, 9, it says, abhor what is evil. Then it says, hold fast to what is good. And that's just put off, put on, right? That's typical in the Pauline epistles, put off, put on. Got to remember the good. I can't just be playing defense. I'm, I'm going on the offense, right? I'm going to play offense. And lastly, this is huge. I've resolved that, that in due time, I will reap what I sow as I battle against it, in due time, right? Ultimately, it means I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be glorified. I'm going to be with my Lord. Um, but Paul says in Galatians 5, um, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. What you sow, that will you also reap, right? And then he says, don't, don't grow weary, guys. He was telling the Galatians, right? Don't grow. They were wanting to go back. Don't grow weary in doing good and sticking to what you know is true. In due time, you're going you're gonna to reap. You're going to reap it. Remember that as you fight against sin. And that's kind of a, a long list, but those are just things that I just sat down and I, I thought about as it, when it came to sin. So anyway, thank you guys for letting me come and share with you my testimony and then kind of give you guys some exhortations. And I was giving myself those exhortations as well. And so uh, thank you guys once again. And I'll just close in prayer. That's good. Okay, great. Lord, thank you for the opportunity for me to come here and speak to these, these NBC students and, and faculty and, and to speak to my, my own self as well, Lord. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Uh, thank you for the men and women who are in this room, in this room who have... Uh, um, who have given so much to the Bible College to make this possible. Uh, just rich, rich uh, educational opportunities here, and, um, and it all relates to your word. And Father, I just want to pray for the NBC students and the NBC faculty, Lord, that they would continue to be fighting sin in their lives, Lord. Lord, that they would uh, resolve in their hearts, Father, that they want to please you more than anyone else. 
more than anything else, Lord. And I pray that for myself as well. And God, I just want to pray for for the students here. They got uh, plenty on their plate. They're not uh, they're not filling around, Lord. And just with any old thing. And so I just want to pray that you would grant them great strength, Lord, as they as they keep pushing on through through their studies. Um, Father, would everything they do remind them that it would be an act of worship to you? And uh, yeah, Lord, thank you so much again for this opportunity just to come and to to speak to them, to share what you've done in my life. And uh, I said this was my testimony, but really it was yours, Lord, because you did the work. So again, thank you for this opportunity, and uh, Father, um, pray for the rest of the day that whatever we think and say and do will be honoring to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.